the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more Bible teaching and time insights. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've been teaching the Bible probably, I don't know, maybe 2001, 2002. And yeah, I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. When I got saved the first year, I read the Bible through three or four times, just from cover to cover. I couldn't wait to see what was in it. God has given me a supernatural love for the Word of God. I got born again in a uh, Word of Faith movement, uh, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Charles Capps, Hilton Sutton, Marilyn Hickey, Norval Hayes, uh, don't forget, T.L. Osborne. Anyway, great folks, happy Caldwell, just a wonderful, wonderful environment. And I love the fact that these guys were quoting scripture. That just put such a burden in my heart. I, I got to get there, man. I got to learn how to speak the Word of God. So that's why I read the Word of God three times the first year. I read the Bible every day. I thank the Lord for what he's done to me, in me, for me, through the Word of God. But I've never taught on it. I mean, I teach on scriptures, but I teach on topics. And I am not going to leave what's going on in our nation aside from my teaching. I am definitely not going to uh, leave off warning the church, it seems. No matter what I read, there are always warnings in there for the church. It's amazing. And I mean, I could read Psalms. I could open up to something in Psalms. And sure enough, there's a warning in there for the people of God. Uh, we listened to some teaching on Jude last week. There's warnings all over there. Peter, there's warnings in there. Timothy, warnings, at warning after warning. Jesus and Luke and Matthew, Mark, warning after warning after warning about what's going to take place in the world right before he comes. And so that is a great evidence that his return is very, 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 very soon. I expect to see it in my lifetime. I am 71 years old, but I'm healthy. I um, exercise. I eat what I want. But God, hallelujah. You know, you can eat what you want, guys. I'm not going to brag on the people that talk about healthy diets and everything. But the Bible says the food that you eat is cleansed. It's sanctified by the giving of thanks and the word of prayer. So I believe that. And so hallelujah. I pray over it. No, I'm not going to say hallelujah, but praise the Lord. Okay, so I feel as if I have for now pretty much exhausted the warnings that I could find in the Bible that I could give you. So it's up to you now to go ahead and put into practice the things that we taught you, the warnings that we've given you about abstaining from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, about identifying and leaving false teaching, false preachers running from those that are teaching the doctrines of devils and... This all requires you getting in the Word of God. So basically, I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I am going to explain the Word of God. I'm not going to teach about the Word of God. I'm going to teach the Word of God, and I love it. I'm excited. Uh, like I said, this will take me right into the rapture, I'm sure. But I'll have fun. I will not neglect to 
tell you what's going on in our nation while I'm doing this. But I want to get into this today. It's always my heart, the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Lord, I have hid your Word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I thank you for the Word of God today. I thank you, Father God. I will not alter it. I will not change it. I will not give my opinion. I will speak the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will minister through me. The entrance of your Word is going to give light. People are going to receive light. They're going to sense that light going on in their minds, in their hearts, Father God, as I'm preaching this. They're going to have a hunger for it. They're going to love it. They're going to feel refreshed, renewed, restored, and strengthened, Father God. So, Lord God, Holy Spirit of God, teach to me in Jesus' name. Amen. And, of course, I want to start in John chapter 1 because it's the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. In the beginning was the Word. We've got that. The Word was in the beginning. And the Word was with God. So you have God and you have the Word and they were together. And the Word was God. Well, that just ties everything together. God was the Word. In the beginning was God and the Word. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 14 because this is very important. This is where a lot of religious people get stuck. I don't know whether it's the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. It might be the Mormons. I don't know. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so I love this. John chapter 1 and verse 1 and John chapter 1 verse 14. They go together. They go together like soup and sandwich, like peanut butter and jelly, like honey and bees. I mean, I wrote a whole bunch of these down. I really enjoyed it. But they just go together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... With God and the Word was God and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. Who is that talking about? Who became flesh that you can associate with the Word? It was Jesus Christ, of course. And the Word became flesh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus dwelt among us. Hallelujah. Full of grace and truth. Jesus, grace and truth came by Jesus. The fulfillment of grace, the fulfillment of truth came by Jesus Christ. I chose here to start because, number one, it's the beginning, and that seems a fitting place to start. You start at the beginning. And secondly, these two verses prove that Jesus is God. You must get that straight. Jesus is God. Just the other day, somebody, a customer, was telling me that Jesus isn't God. He loved the Lord, good brother, and he was saying, no, Jesus isn't God. So I let him talk, and then I brought this scripture up. And he knew this scripture. And I was shocked that he could still believe that after reading this scripture. And that's why I'm teaching the word of God. There is a dearth of Holy Spirit submission when it comes to receiving the truth of the word of God in our nation today. I have no idea what's going on in churches, but we are distorting the word. We have no idea of when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us to give us revelation knowledge. I just read, in the beginning was the Word, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That was Jesus. Jesus was made flesh, God in the body, and he dwelt among us. Jesus shows the humanity of God, and uh, Christ shows the divinity of God. Jesus was man, and he was God. Hallelujah. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. But for me, the assurance that everything written about Jesus is true is right there in that verse. Jesus is God. And one of the great sticking points of religion is Jesus Christ God. We battle through that back and forth. I thank God for my Catholic background. I have no trouble. I don't struggle with the Trinity at all. I get it. I know that Jesus was God. It was very easy for me, and I praise God for that. I don't throw everything out. I glean. I take what's true, and I throw away what's not true. And I have the Holy Spirit inside me to help me do that. 
Notice, the Word became flesh. This isn't the general term for logos, the general principle of logos, nor is it the philosophical idea of logos. But it says the word is a definite article there in the Greek, and it signifies this is the person of Jesus, the very God of life in the person of Jesus, the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. That's Jesus right there, guys. The word became flesh. The word was God, and the word became flesh. There can be no confusion. Jesus is God. Jesus is the word. We must keep that truth in our hearts and our minds as we read through the Bible. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word. The Word is uh, do God's highest honor and respect. Why do you say that? Well, because the Bible says that Jesus, in Psalm uh, 138, verse 2, I'll quote it to you, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Going into this teaching, I want you to understand just how much God honors his word. You know how much he honors his name. At the mention of that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. But here we see that he magnifies the word above the name. That's how important it is to God. And if it's important to God, guess what, saints? It had better be important to you also. He honors his word above his name. It holds a position in his view that's even higher than the position that his name holds. So important, guys. You've got to give the word of God its due. And we're in trouble in America today because we have rejected that word. And that's what happened in uh, Jeremiah's day when he was writing. He talked about how the Jews rejected the word of God. The teachers rejected the word of God. The shepherds quit preaching the word of God. The prophets quit speaking the word of God. And look what happened. Guys, you must know God's word. When you know God's word, you know God. When you know God's word, you also know Jesus. Whatever, wherever, whenever you want to place the beginning, however you want to call the beginning, whatever you want to name the beginning, understand Jesus was there. The word Jesus predates anything and everything that ever was created. Wherever and whenever anything is created, Jesus was there first. Look at Colossians 1.16. For by him who, Jesus, by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him. Someone in Precept Austin said it like this. He not only pre-existed before creation, he created creation. I love it. Hallelujah. And to think, people still defend their position that Jesus is not sovereign in the earth today. Guys, you got to read the Bible. You got to understand it. I just read something by Spurgeon. It's on Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews, read Hebrews 1.3. You want to answer the question about whether Jesus Christ is sovereign or not. In the beginning of my day, in the beginning of my day, your day, there should be Jesus because he is the beginning of all creation. He's always at the beginning. You never start anything, a day, a prayer project, a Bible study, a work assignment. You never get in your car. You never do any counseling. You never go shopping. You never start a construction project without first the word of God. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Jesus is in the beginning of everything. You want to include him. You want to include that word. He brings everything its proper order. If you want to be successful, Begin everything that you do with Jesus Christ. 
Verses 1 and 14 go together. There it is, like bread and butter, soup and sandwich, peanut butter and jelly. You get the idea. Don't leave without connecting verse 1 in John 1 and verse 14. Jesus is the Word. The skies and the land will wear out. They're going to cease to exist. They're going to be destroyed. But my words will never be destroyed. Matthew twenty four thirty five. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Notice, heaven and earth shall pass away. We get that. We know that. But my words. Whose word? My word. He didn't say God's word. He said, my word shall not pass away. Jesus doesn't say God's word. He associates himself as the word with the word. He owns it. He takes full ownership. It is his word. Jesus puts his word on par with God's word. It's the same word. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever means as long as eternity exists. So too does the word. By its very nature, eternity is endless. So too is the word. Just like eternity has depth to it, there are layers to eternity that means more than just time. Eternity encompasses life. The word doesn't encompass life. The word is life. Eternal life is the ultimate expression of the essence of God's existence. And the bonus is he offers that life to us. If we could just make that clear in our preaching, in our Sunday sermons, I don't know who would refuse such a great deal, eternal life. But the bonus is that it's just not eternal life. You know, really, we all exist eternally. You don't kill a spirit. Spirits are eternal. And the difference is some will live forever with God. Unfortunately, others will die forever without him for eternity we've got to let america know you cannot reject god's word you know hey man we must let the church know you can't reject god's word isaiah 40 verse 8 the grass withers the flower fades but the word of god stands forever that's right the word stands it doesn't shrink or hide or decrease it never fails it never ends Many translations read that the word endures forever, and I like that one. That means it stands up against the salts. It can stand any challenge. It doesn't change or fade or run or cower. It can take any inspection. It takes what's thrown at it, and it comes out on top. Man has tried to silence it, to suppress it, to disprove it, to change it, to shut it out. The word endures forever. Jesus' words are like God's words because Jesus is God, and thus his words possess eternal authority. Indeed, this is great. When at his second coming, Jesus returned, when at the return of Jesus, quote, he is clothed with a robe that's dipped in blood, amen, and his name is called what? His name is called the Word of God. I love that. Jesus' word is alive. He's coming back, and he's going to identify himself as the Word of God. But unfortunately, he's coming with judgment. And guess what? He will identify himself to the world as the word. The world that rejected him, the world that shut him out, that had wanted nothing to do with him, the nation of America that's rejecting the word of God is going to see him when he comes back and he will say, I am the word of God. And we will have to deal with that face to face. One reason that America has fallen is because the church doesn't preach the word to our nation, let alone to the Christians who go to church. The word is the only answer to our sin problem. There's nothing else today that can fix that. There's nothing else to say. We either preach the word or we prepare to go home. There's no other answer to what's going on. 
I mean, that's it. Why not? Because we don't allow the Word of God to live inside us. The church, the Word, is supposed to be living inside us here. John fifteen seven. If you live in me and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. If you live in me, well, you listen to me preach. Do you think that the Word of God is alive in me? Well, it needs to be alive in all of us. That's the problem, I think, that is the biggest issue with the Word of God. We've got the Word of God, but we have removed the Holy Spirit from the teaching of the Word of God. We're preaching out of our own carnal understanding. Very rarely do we preach revelation knowledge. Do we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that word to us you know and i came out of churches i came out of a big church that i was there for 35 years and the pastor he doesn't preach the spirit he preaches from his mind and when you preach from your mind that's where it goes into those that listen to you it's a mental preaching to a mental receiving it yet when you're preaching out of the spirit of god it goes spirit to spirit that's where revelation comes from When you are preaching mentally, it's being received mentally. The Word of God is a heart. Those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's been my gripe with, what's it called, the Passion Translation. He wrote that book for the purpose of having man create an emotional connection with God the Father. You don't connect with God emotionally. You connect with God spiritually. God is a spirit. Those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Back to the scripture. If you live in me and what I say lives in you, then ask for anything you want and it will be yours. And my word, what I say, lives in you. It's got to live in you. It's got to remain in you. It's got to abide in you. Does God's word live in you? Is it alive in you? Do people know that God's word is alive in you? Can they tell? It should be alive in you. His word not only brings life, his word is life. Notice how I'm treating this verse. Let me read it again. If you live in me or you abide in me and my words live in you, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. I love that. You shall ask what you will and it will be done. Catch this. God is going to touch his kingdom with my will. Do you see that? If you live in me and my words live in you, you will, your will, ask what you want and I will do it for you. But it's conditional. The condition is you got to live in me. And of course, if you've been born again, if you've accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit has given birth, he's made alive your spirit unto God, you're alive unto the things of God, and you live in him. Over a hundred times the Bible references in the New Testament, in him or in Christ. So yes, we live in him, but here's the key. You've got to let his word live in you. And that's what I'm getting back to. You cannot read the word without the Holy Spirit. We've got to be very careful. Even the commentaries that I study, I've got to be very careful. I cannot rely on them for my revelation. My revelation of the Word comes from the Holy Spirit. I go to the commentaries to check things out, to receive perhaps their revelation, but I do not get my revelation from the Bible commentaries I read. It is me and the Holy Spirit in communion, in direct contact, under the ministry of the Word of God. It's got to be the same Word. We've got Christians going around, they roll scriptures out of their mouth, but they have no understanding of what they're saying. They take scriptures out of context. They don't study the Bible. I saw somebody the other day with a quote, it was, resist the devil, he will flee, talking about how we take America back. Well, that's nice, but the devil is not our sole problem. And number one, the scripture that's written there in James, I think it's James 4, 4, it says, A, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. There's a process there. If you do not submit yourself to God, then the devil is under no no, uh, mandate to flee. But by submitting yourself to God, 
Then you had the authority. I heard this. Somebody else wrote it in a commentary. You won't be able to stand against Satan if you do not kneel before God. And basically, that's what that scripture means. You've got to go ahead and submit yourself unto God. Even though then that scripture, the context of that scripture is talking about our personal relationship with God. It talks about salvation for the lost. And it talks about us and our relationship with God that we submit to him, to his perfect will. Then we will have the authority and the wherewithal to resist the devil and he will flee. But as far as taking back America on an individual basis like that, we need to apply the word. And if we ever became one, that scripture would have power, but that's not who we are today in the church. And notice how I'm treating this verse, though. Most preachers will focus on the third part of this verse. After you are living in Christ, after Christ's word is living in you, they focus on asking, what is your will for getting your prayers answered? And they're focusing on that. Let's get our prayers answered. Let's get our prayers answered. But we really need to focus on if you will let God's word live in you, because that is the key to the scripture. Once you're saved, the key to the scripture is getting that word to live inside of you. You've got to get it in so it's alive, and you've got to get it out so it's alive. You can't play games with God's word. You must read the Bible every single day. The focus here in this scripture is not getting my prayers answered. The focus here on this scripture is me letting the word live inside me. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12, for God's word is alive and working. It's active. It's powerful. It's effective. And is sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way unto us where the soul and the spirit are joined. Hallelujah. To the center of our joints and bones. It penetrates until it divides even our souls and our spirit, our joints and our marrow. And it judges, discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. That's a mouthful in there. I doubt if I'll get it done in three minutes. But his word in you should exhibit a changed life. There's got to be transformation. We've got churches where the Holy Spirit isn't present, and we're telling stories, and we're backing them up with verses and scriptures, and we're using the doctrines of the Bible to support the things that we believe. No, you get the doctrines of the Bible to create what you believe, to tell you what you believe, to order the things in your life that you should be believing. But here we are. Hebrews 4 explains everything really well. The life from the word should be working actively. It should be powerful and it should be effective. For God's word is alive and working, active, powerfully and effectively. That should be what the word of God is doing in your life. It is working. It just doesn't sit in there like a cold bowl of cereal in the morning to give me energy. No, that word of God has changed me. It has grown me. It has sanctified me. It has enlightened me. I've got the ability of God inside you. The word of God is alive. I've got the life of God inside me. It should alter my thinking. It should create in me a heart for the lost. It should create in me a desire to fulfill God's perfect plan for my life. It should be active. It should give life to me. People should be able to know that this man's got the word of God inside you. It's like jumping beans in you. Your spirit man's alive and he's active and he's powerful in what he's doing. He's effective in what he's doing. He's praying effectively. He's winning the lost. He's running out demons. He's Seeing people uh, change, people healed, comforted. That's what the word of God in you should be doing. If the word of God is not doing that in you, then something is wrong. And by the way, it's not wrong with the word. Something's wrong with us. We, the church, we have removed God's word from our pulpits. Um, We have changed it. 
we have profaned it. And now we not only have churches void of God's word, but we have a nation bereft of God's word. And if you don't have God's word, you don't have God's power. And that's what's wrong with America. Hebrews 1, 3. Who, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus sustains the universe by his word of power, not just carnally and physically, but spiritually as well. His word is the enactment and the enactment of that word through our obedience to that word restores or creates order. Let me read that again. The word of God sustains all things, upholds all things. It's sustaining the universe continually by the word of his power. And not just the universe, but you and me, our lives also. His word of God in us, us enacting that word of God, putting that word to work powerfully. We do that through our obedience to the word, and it restores natural order in our lives. It restored natural order when we got saved. It will restore God's divine order to our nation if we will obey it. That's a huge if. I know. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.